I don't care if it's on there. That's fine. Welcome, everybody, to Heavy Metal Over a Six Pack. This is not Marcus, and that is... Not Anthony. See? <laughs> uh, we are actually down our main host today, so it is actually just me and, and Mr. Dave hanging out in Studio B. Some people have the nerve to be responsible and go to work, so I'm going to ad-lib think... a little bit here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, um... So we, so we got a um, few things today, um, main events, news, XYZ, pretty much yeah. So we'll get right into it, right after this. Heavy Metal Headlines. We're going to rock some uh, heavy headlines to start today. Start with some um, maybe possible forming of bands-ish, sort of, <laughs> kind of, collaboration. Hinting. Uh, so, Breaking Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin Burnley, which is that, there's like way too many B's in that band. (laughs) And uh, ex-Flyleaf singer Lacey Sturm have been talking about, quote unquote, forming a new band together. Well, what I think is really weird about that, so, well, alright, it kind of makes sense because they, like way back in the day, Flyleaf was, like some of Flyleaf's first tours were Breaking Benjamin. Yes. So like they go way back, totally understandable, they get along, spend time on the road together, got it great relationship they seem to get along really well what's interesting though is that like so he said he was like oh i hope i hope lacy doesn't get mad at me for mentioning this because we've been talking about an album right and he says this after the fact that he's announced that he's doing an acoustic album with all these other people like adam gontier who yep. used to be three days grace and and lacy and a whole bunch of other like uh, uh the lead the singer r- from red yep michael barnes yep so he announces the the possible maybe album with Lacey but after he's already done all this acoustic work like he doesn't talk about that like yeah well, it doesn't have a name yet no release date hopefully sometime this year well, by the way <laughs> yeah it's, it's funny because like um the song blow, uh, blow me away the Halo 2 soundtrack funny yeah. enough the, the he actually did a version with uh, uh Valora which is which is kind of, I, I feel like he kind of like wants to have this femaleness with him. Yeah. Well, it, it's not bad by any means. It brings a cool dynamic, it you does. know? And I mean, he's he's got the voice too where like you can you can pinpoint exactly who's singing. He's got a pretty distinct voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of their music, it doesn't necessarily jive, but I feel like a collaboration would not be bad either. Because, I mean, well, because Flyleaf did their, they kind of fell off a little bit. Yeah, and then she's been she's been like going back and forth. I know they did some. Uh, she had a new band. I forget the name of it, but uh, I know they were doing. Um, she had a little. It was like while she was pregnant, she was still like touring with the band. And it's like 
As I say new band, but it was probably like just a different band. It's probably not new. New Horizons? Maybe. Uh, it was uh, probably like 2013, 2014, because I know she was playing a couple of free shows at like uh, military, military uh, bases and stuff. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I'm not sure what the name of that band was. But it wasn't it wasn't Flyleaf. It was like, oh, the lead singer of Flyleaf is in this new band, or maybe she was just I don't know. I didn't even go see the show. I just remember hearing about it. Anyway, I think that their sounds together uh, would be interesting. I'll say mm-hmm. that it it's tough because you don't know if they're gonna go in the direction more of Flyleaf sound or right. Breaking Benjamin sound with with Lacey in it. And she's an excellent vocalist. Not to say that she wouldn't be able to handle it. It's just. I don't know how well her voice would mesh with their music. So this was what I I was kind of thinking about, too. So now you listen to old school Flyleaf, you know, So Sick, stuff like that. All around me, yeah. Yeah. And she does like that gnarly scream action. Right. Now, um, Ben doesn't actually do the screaming parts in um, Breaking Benjamin. So uh, that would be cool to do almost like a swap. Where she does the growls behind. You know, if they stayed in the heavy room. But who knows? It could just be like a weird, like country album for all we who knows i mean it could really go any direction yeah anytime you have a two-headed monster you always got to make sure that the voices synergize right there has to be synergy you, they have exactly. to be hitting different notes like if because if they if you ever hit the same note together at the same time you, then you both sound flat it does so yeah. like having a, a two-headed monster band is difficult because not only do you have to you know be collaborative enough to write an entire song, which for some people is not right. that easy, no, you know. Exactly. Uh, but then there's the the aspect of actually performing it and making sure that you both can hit different ranges so that you're not both picking up at the same note at the same time. Right. Because anytime that happens, like uh, not so much on like albums you see anymore, because a lot of like producers know to like catch that stuff. But mm-hmm. some of these live performances, um, I'm not gonna throw anybody under the bus, but there's a couple of live performance bands I've heard where like. They're like, oh, and we're going to have this special guest singer come out and sing this part of the song. It's like, wow. And they both sung the exact same part. I'm like, okay. Right. It kind of sounds like, like bros doing karaoke if you if you do the same. Right, you right. Know? Whereas like a band like Linkin Park or something, obviously totally two, two totally different right. and distinct voices. Exactly. And two totally different and distinct like mm-hmm. areas of expertise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's I think it'd be very, very interesting to see this collaboration and to see what would come with it. Uh, I think I think they're both super talented writers, and uh, I actually well I mean I don't want to get too far into it because I'll be touching on them later anyway. But I just think that uh, talent wise, I, I think they'll be able to they'll easily be able to pull tickets. You know, right. everybody they're gonna get buzzed just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see all these super groups and stuff forming now. Anyway, I feel like this is kind of like not necessarily a super group, but it's too. Two headlining bands, two well-known bands that that get together and could potentially make an entire album. That's that's gonna be pretty awesome. Like you see, like who was it? Uh, Apocalyptica did that, but they yeah. did that with like everybody. They had, no, like, I always wonder with Pop- Apocalyptica, like when they go on tour, can like eleven bands just not go on tour that? Well, <laughs> because so, they need like all these people. Well, that's yeah, that's that's the other interesting thing though is that once you do, that's why I feel bad because like you see these guitarists and stuff that'll make full albums, but they'll collaborate with all these people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's that's rough because they're not all gonna take time away from the, you know <laughs> exactly. what I mean? Like, like they might show up they like might me. give you one show, mm-hmm. and then it's like the rest of it's just album work. And like right. yeah, cool, you did it, but wouldn't you want to be playing those shows? Mm-hmm. And it's like oh, like are you gonna have one stand-in to cover all these voices? Like it's just agreed. 
It's Great. tough. I think it's cool when like bands do like surprise shows and stuff, and like in the middle of their set, they're like, "Hey, this is our song with so and so." And by the way, they're here, and they come out on stage um, and do it. Like that's awesome. This brings me to uh, when I went to see in this moment Papa Roach and Five Finger Death Punch. Now Papa Roach does a song with um, the girl from In This Moment, and Five Finger Death Punch does a song with her as well. Mm. So it was kind of cool that, like, obviously she opened. So she did her stuff. Yeah. Papa Roach comes on. He did. They do a few songs. She comes out, does the song with them, and then Five Finger comes on, does their stuff halfway through. She comes on, does the song with them. So that it was a well kind of yeah. put together situation. Yeah, you know that's I mean? a lot more balanced though. Right. And, and I mean, it's one song. Yeah, but you get tour managers and stuff on the same page too. You know, right. like hey, we want to book these shows because right. this is what we want to do. You can tell that that was clearly planned out. Exactly. But well, yeah, if you yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. that planning aspect of it, and then you're if you're crossing boundaries anyway, like, oh, like, you know, Blink-182 is doing a song with Papa Roach or something crazy, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It'd be like, uh, when are you ever going to play the same venue together? Right, you know? right. Well, it's funny, um, and I always like to bring up uh, from the Warp Tour, not this year, last year, Sargor was one of the, and uh, so was Silverstein. So while Silverstein was playing their set, the bassist to Gore showed up. And quote unquote killed their bassist halfway into the set, <laughs> and just kind of like dragged. It was obviously set up. Yeah. Dragged him off stage, and he comes up and he's like, "Oh, hey, you guys need a bassist?" And just, <laughs> just played the rest of the set with him. Yeah, that, I mean, awesome. that, that was like kind of like a fun <laughs> side thing. So should we call the cops or <laughs> is this real? Like this? Why is he still bleeding? The joke's blood over. everywhere. <laughs> right? Like why is there an actual ambulance here? That's strange. Hey, but, he's handcuffed and still trying to play the bass. It's <laughs> <laughs> very impressive. <laughs> Like Houdini or whatever. David I think Blade. I think it'd be really interesting though, man. I think yeah. they have they uh, they both have their own distinct sound, so to connect them, I think I definitely think it has potential. I'm eager to see what they produce or what they come up with. Um, my only takeaway or take back or something I'd be taken back by from them is that if they if they tried to copy what's already been done with other bands, I don't think they would. I don't think they have that in them, but. You know, once you're mainstream and you don't have a lot of people telling you what to and what not to do anymore, you kind of start going off and doing your own thing of what sounds good, and sometimes that overproduced sound doesn't sound good for every voice. So that'd be the only thing I'd be concerned about. Yeah. Again, it can always go both ways. What I really think about as far as, like, um, you know, collaborations and stuff go, I think I think it's tricky. I think it's, for some people, it's a slippery slope. And again, I'm not going to point fingers and name names on... I'm, I'm just one person. So what I think sounds good versus what, you know, an entire metal genre group of fan base sound, thinks sounds good. Like, uh, obviously, I don't speak for everybody. But I, I always find it interesting when, when bands will make entire albums and do collaborations on every single song. Because there's no way. There's literally, like, the, to, to get, if you have a 10-song a album, to get all 10 of those bands on the exact same ticket and get right. them at the same venue and then hit every one of your songs like just for your one out even if it was five of them that'd be tough mm, no, and weird. I just like I wondered I, I always wondered about Apocalyptica how they I never saw any of their tours or any of their shows or anything I kind of wish I did but how would they have done that and then uh, especially too with Mark Morton with the stuff that he exactly, releases exactly yeah here. yeah because he was doing all that sad stuff yep. he did that yeah he did it with Chester, Chester and he did a whole bunch of other and I mean that was that was a big I mean obviously it's 
terrible. Chester's gone. Uh, but that was a big push for him that that was really like Chester's last release song, you know? So I think it's doubly tough now for him because it was the last song that Chester collaborated with anybody on that got released almost a year after. It was like it was eight, eight or nine months after he died. Yeah, and then, roughly, yeah. And then there's, you know, the, all, the, all the hype of it. But on top of the fact that now Chester's gone, now you really can't go on tour and perform that live. Like, the whole song you just created now has to be filled in with somebody else. And there's not many vocalists that can fill the shoes of Chester Bennington. Agreed. I am not trying to be mean, and I'm not throwing shade, but at that that uh, Chester Memorial show that they did in, in Hollywood or L.A. Cool. or whatever, it was cool, but no offense, the lead singer of A7X should never sing a Chester Bennington song again. Yeah. That was that was pretty rough to listen to. Like, I get it, your friends Shadows and stuff, and... Yeah. You know, give an homage, but yep. uh, that was not that was not something I'd want to pay for. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> like they have a hard enough time being up there in front of everybody anyway. But there's just certain things like, like okay, like yeah, we all know the song, but if you don't have the range, then you shouldn't. You just shouldn't do that song. Agreed. And I felt like there was a couple points in that where I was like, wow, like that performance kind of sounded mediocre, which is. It's insulting to even think because you think right. about how far A7X has been and, right. and how much they've gone through and how successful they've been. Again, I'm not throwing shade. No, of course. I just think staying inside your lane and knowing your limits is, is kind That's of important. That's a big thing, too. You know? And that actually brings me to another thing. When um, I, bring, I bring this up a lot uh, with uh, Trivium. When they went on tour and, they, and you know, Matt Heafy had to leave and you had you know, uh, from Avatar and um, Howard Jones from light the torch you know during that tour um covering the, the songs and you kind of like you listen to howard jones because there's actually a whole youtube like that, one of their whole shows like you listen to the whole thing mm-hmm. and like you know what howard jones sounds like but when he sings specifically their songs it's not that good because one whatever you write music you need to write music that you can sing right because everybody has different honestly different words Right, you can sing better than other words. It's just how it works. You know what I mean? And how you carry things. Like there's, you know, there's some singers that that use like real, real short words and carry them long, and then there's right. other people that use real, real long words and sing them short. Exactly. And it's like being able to find your range on top of exactly. that performance-wise, like that's really tough to do. And Howard's another one, man. He's like, he's one of those vocalists that's distinct. Like you know, it's oh, him yeah. when it's him. And I actually heard in the new Kill Switch album, they believe he's been in the studio with them. Right. With Jesse. Yeah, they did so. a one collaborative song, from yeah. what I saw. So that could be interesting. I think it definitely be interesting. I suppose interesting. it can't sound not like Kill Switch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know what I mean? Like, well, this kind of this segues into our main event a little bit, uh, for me, again. But, um, and I'll, I'll touch more on it, but yeah, yeah. just as far as Howard goes, uh, like, when you hear, if you were to ever judge Howard strictly on a screen, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, like... And I don't mean like, meh, okay, but like, no, like, okay, like, I can listen to that, I can tell, that's a pretty good scream. But then you hear his cleans, and it's like, and then both of them together, it's like, wait a minute, he does both? And then you hear it live, and he does both, and you're like, whoa, okay, Mm -hmm. all right, like, that's where the respect button gets smashed. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, you can, not only can you do this in studio and isolate these sounds with your throat, but now you can do these cleans and just powerhouse it. Which I've always, I've always felt that um, Howard was... I liked his cleans better, but I liked Jesse's screams better. So, you know, and it's kind of one of those things like you, you lose one, but you gain one. So you know, it's yeah, it's a, it's a battle. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'll, I'll get no, into I mean, that. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get into that further. But I actually want to move on to our second um, startup thing here. I kind of want to talk about uh, Wacken Open Air. Mm. Uh, last weekend was uh, the first of the third was uh, when was it happened. A, was the first? It was the first one? No, no, no. The yeah. August no. 1st. Right, yeah. This will be so... Um, it'll be, it's actually the 30th anniversary of it. So 30 years. It's been going for a <laughs> long time. And if you've ever seen any of those headlines, any of the people that headline it, but any of the people that play there, it is like it is a straight-up metal festival. Like of all ages, like they got, they got, they got metal bands from like every generation that still show up and play there. Like whoever that guy is, or guy or girl, no offense, whoever that person is that's setting up these these bands to all congregate in the same area is a genius because they're just pulling in old and new and old and like you can you can't go wrong with these lineups. There are so many diverse bands that oh, yeah. just absolutely kill it. So I actually. Um this is the first year I've really, like, paid attention to it, like, followed it, kind of, I've read into it. So, if you aren't aware of, in which this Wacken is, I have, I gotta read verbatim, um, exactly what it is. Uh, this is, uh, this was posted for this year. But, uh, the Wacken Open Air is a metal festival in the village of Wacken. <laughs> Makes sense, right? Uh, in Germany. And the first one was held in the, uh, uh 1990s. It is currently considered one of the biggest heavy metal festivals in the world, attracting over 75,000 metalheads. That's insane. Which, yeah. Uh, headlining acts like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Slayer, Motorhead, Megadeth, Blind Guardian, Ramstein, uh, The Scorpions, Ozzy Osbourne, have all been on the main stage. That's the place to do it, too, man. That's like that's like metal heaven right mm-hmm. there. Uh, the Wacken has over 150 bands playing every year. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously it's, it's three days. Yeah, see, you're even choking over. Wow, uh, seven choke on my beer. Seven different stages, and the beer garden itself has live bands for entertaining as well. Jeez. Um, apart from the live performances, multiple options you can enjoy your time at the festival. Huge number of food courts and shops. So you you can go to the Vikings Village or the Knights say, Camp. Get uh, a nice nice tall cup of mead. Uh huh. Or you can uh, <laughs> see role play battles or Highland games. <laughs> No no wonder so many people roll (laughs) up to this. (laughs) Um, It's like everything German. In uh, in Welcome to the Jungle, you can watch wrestling, late night shows, but also have the option to participate in metal yoga. Uh, Right? They certainly covered all their bases. So, and actually, 2017, now this is, I've never heard of this before, but the the, uh, festival itself established a seven kilometer, or kilometer, it's not, (laughs) you know. It's metal, so it's kilometer. Uh, long beer pipeline oh. to make sure metalheads don't go thirsty, and they have access to beer coming from Wacken's own brewery anytime it's needed. What, right. so dude? That's awesome. Man, pipeline of beer. Like, I hope there's no backwash, but that's awesome. <laughs> <Right>? Like, <laughs> I don't want to be sucking on the same tube as that that guy <laughs> that just launched his lunch all over the crowd. But <laughs> Yum. but if that's like nonstop tap, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine what the brewer's doing, like, months before this venue happens? Like, can you imagine the pressure of just on that one, the head brewer? <laughs> like, yeah, guys, correct. we got a bad batch. I'll just ship it anyway. Just, just go. <laughs> I send it as the last one. Somebody's they won't taste the difference. this one. That's fine. <laughs> Let it roll. Um, so, funny enough. Um, let's see. It's nuts, though. They, so, they, 
I feel like, all right, so obviously when venues, or when, not venues, but when, when big uh, festivals pop up, right, when they first happen, if it's if it's not a whole lot of big headliners and stuff, it doesn't it doesn't catch fire quickly, you know. Right. I feel like, and all in a good way. Again, no shade thrown whatsoever. I think all in a good way that this festival, like, you know, first couple years, like, in you got to think, okay, 1990 is when they started. They're like, look, guys, we got all these metal bands, but if we advertise as metal bands, it might not go over so well. So we're gonna bring in some pro wrestlers. <laughs> That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have a pro wrestling show over yeah, here, yeah. and in the background, we're gonna play some pretty heavy metal music. All right, we're gonna bring in some local gigs and some old school gigs, and then I feel like it all like just kind of metastasized into this giant festival of of nonstop beer and pro wrestling and metal yoga and all these other Vikings different things. And- yeah, mm-hmm. all these things you can do there. Like. And it's like, yeah, when we started out, we were just like three bands in front of a hot dog stand, and <laughs> we figured, some <laughs> guy with an axe. Yeah, we needed to do something different, so we got all these pro wrestlers involved. Like, right, right. Exactly. Wow, it actually drew a pretty big crowd. We should do this again next year. Let's like, add more wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> let them sing. <laughs> oh no, oh no, backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. Back. <laughs> uh, so, fun fact. So this, um, I don't exactly know when this was posted. Uh, Wacken Open Air 2020 has already been. Released within 21 hours, all 75,000 tickets have been sold out. Jeez, <laughs> like you know, you if know, if you didn't rough? know there was going to be another one already, you are right. Well, I mean, 2020, uh, you know, what's you know, what sucks is that scalpers have a job, like it's their job to like sneak in, grab tickets, and then just wait. Mm-hmm. And they have like their own little math problems and stuff, like you know. If I buy this on August first, we actually had a we had an episode <laughs> about that where I brought that up. Yeah, like pay pay um, what is it? Pay stub or whatever the other uh, StubHub StubHub thing yeah. and stuff like that, where they actually pay people to do right. that so they get more. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, and then you gotta so, all right. Say what you want about the music industry, but then you have the producers that, whenever they sign bands, they have like oh yeah like okay this is in your contract that uh. We're gonna give you like a three-album deal and this much money up front, and we'll pay for all your tours and everything else. But we get the first 200 front-row tickets. Yep. Those are ours. Pretty much. And it's like they just, and then they just hang on to them and wait until the show, the show's sold. And like, oh yeah, hey. By now, the way. Now we're gonna, yeah, now we're gonna sell these for thirty thousand dollars a piece or whatever the heck they want, you know. Yep. And so yep. I feel like it's so rough, man, when you have a festival like that that's so multifaceted and like there's so many different things you can do and like go see there like the experience alone even if you weren't there even if you didn't know any of the bands playing at that festival right. that sounds like the festival you'd want to be at exactly. like that sounds like somewhere you'd want to just hang out for three days right. like exactly. i would i would spend an entire weekend just doing all that stuff like metal yoga catch me in there man spandex <laughs> and all <laughs> spandex and my my viking beard and a shield i don't know how they do right. that stuff uh, so for the 2020, the uh, first bands are confirmed. We have Judas Priest, Ooh. 50 heavy metal years, mind you. That's how long they've been playing. Right. Crazy. Amon Amarth, which I don't know why they're not there. That's yeah. Like Viking that, band. Like, why are they not there right. fighting with the other Vikings? I think So I think a lot of it has to do with, and not, I don't mean political politics, mm-hmm. but like music politics. It's always about who you know with these things. Right. And how you get your in. So, 
And then, of course, you have the, the one guy that's setting stuff up. All he cares about is that he gets the slots filled, you know. I'm sure he's he's sleeping easy as soon as those slots are all filled up. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, also, we got uh, Sodom, is what it looks like. I can't really, I would assume that's Sodom. Mm-hmm. That looks like Sodom, man. Yeah, they're on there. Um, Merciful Fate, Hypocrisy, Death Angel at the Gates. I'm not sure. Venom? Yeah. That looks like Venom or something similar. Uh, sick of it all? Amica? Yeah, so there's, Amica? A, there's a lot of bands from that area. You can is, tell. You can yeah, tell so, a lot of, like, even, but, the, like, the, but it's still awesome year, because, I mean, metal is metal anywhere you go. Right. You know? And there's there's a couple of these bands that just rip. Like, yeah. all around rip. And so, if, man, if I, could, if I could afford a ticket to be one of those 75,000 people, I'd be there. But scalpers ain't going to make 20, money off of me this year. <laughs> uh, as for, for two more little things you want to do, um, today is the official release of the first hmm, let's see like actually single from that four letter word tool yeah. um, finally 10,000 days later I <laughs> <laughs> uh, see what you did I there that? that's funny mm-hmm. um, I mean so now, now that they're on Spotify mind you that according to Spotify tools all of their albums have been like top charts all week it's funny, right? Well, but you know it was planned. Of you course, know damn it was. Well it was oh, absolutely, it was. That was genius, is what. It, like, I mean, come on. He's Maynard's not. He's no. not a, a dumb person. No. Okay, he knows exactly what he's doing. And uh, you know, whatever shows he puts on on stage, and whatever weird contortions and stuff, like he just he's a performer, but he knows exactly what his left and right limits are. Right. And uh, I think that. All of this was very, very well thought out. Like even, even little, hi- I mean, little hiatus, thirteen-year hiatus that they took. Like, I feel like he was like, I feel like he just made it up in his mind. He's a little bit of a mechanism, you know, like most musicians are, and he's just like, hey, this is what I'm gonna do. And if seventeen they don't- years. Oh, seventeen years. Okay. <laughs> well, close. Well, they said that because uh, didn't they release like a, a live album or something, like a tour album or something like that. According to this, the last could, one was 10,000 days, 2006. Okay, so just forget what I said then. Yeah, just ignore him. He's, <laughs> but, still, uh, he's still new. But there's... No, I think I think he just totally... He totally had this vision in mind. I feel like this is his his thought, baby. And we're seeing it birth out into the scene now. And he's like, and you know what? With all these different platforms that are getting big now... Because you got to think, when they went dark, was right at the turn of technology for music stuff. Yep. That's when all... That's when... Uh, uh, your favorite drummer there started doing all his his talking bad about the establishment and downloads and all this other stuff. Oh yes. And uh, oh, weird, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, but it was right at that. It was right around that time, you know. And they're like, hey, you know, we're just gonna we're gonna be different. We're gonna go dark for a little while. We're gonna. And it doesn't help that he also has the perfect circle and Pussifer. Yeah. So. He's yeah. Always, he's always busy. You know, fairness. He doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I think I think it's a very it's a very specific sound that they that they get from from Tool. Uh, I think, especially because if you look at a lot of their songs, so a lot of their songs are in like way weird timings and mm-hmm. oh, yeah. tunings and all that stuff. Eight to nine hundred minutes, you know. Yeah, and like their their song, well, their songs alone are like sometimes they're fifteen minutes long, like you know. Mm-hmm. But but that's the thing is that they unique would be a good way to put it. But that's 
that's what they are. They've always been there. Like you can, there's not a single person I've ever met that's been like, oh, this sounds exactly right. like no, exactly. X, Y, and Z. Like when you hear Tool, you know, it's you tool. know it's Tool. Exactly. When the whole song totally shifts midway through, and then they loop it back to the beginning at the same thing, they're like, what the? <laughs> what the hell is going like, on? Wait a minute. Like a lot of their songs, and it's it's true for for even the the song that they just released. I I listened to it. And How long did that take you? Ten minutes and seventeen seconds. <laughs> uh, I counted because the first time I went through it, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, now, you know, I'm doing stuff around my house right. and like trying to like be an adult and be responsible, Whatever which that is. I'm horrible at anyway. Uh, but I had the news. So I had the music going in the background. And I was like, "Wow!" Like, is this just like a ten-minute-long instrumental? Is that what this is? And then I went back and I was like, "Wait a minute!" He's singing really softly, mm-hmm. and there's, and then I'm like, "Oh, okay." Like. But that—that's how it always is with Tool songs, man. You gotta listen to them like three, four times. They're genius for doing it that way because you have to, like, what before hidden stuff. Well, I feel like the first time you listen to it, you're like, I don't know how I feel about this, and then you hear it again, you're like, Oh wait, I know this part's coming. Oh, that's kind of catchy, and then like, right? It's just Little like things. it's just like the spiral just keep, keeps getting smaller and smaller as you go more and more into sure. it, and then you're finally like, Oh, you know what? I'm hooked. I'm in it. It's funny because when I first I played this song at work, a buddy like yeah that I work with, um, he's a big Tool fan, so I was like oh we should you know check it out while we do stuff. So as we were hanging out there like I'm like all right I'll skip the intro just jump to the middle just curious about what it sounds. I'm like okay well this is four minutes in it sounds the same as right. six minutes in you know, there's some drum action no oh, there's some vocals okay all right let's maybe maybe it's near the end I'm like nine minutes in and then <laughs> it gets like crazy for like a couple seconds and it goes back I'm just like the hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so definitely a roller coaster song. My but. issue, and I'm gonna be that guy because when we actually talked about the Perfect Circle album, Eat the Elephant, uh, both Mark and Jay were like, "This is the best album ever. So good, X Y Z." I personally thought it was boring. It's very mellow. Yeah. It's very. I mean, all respect behind it. It's just it's not like I need some hook. I need some catchiness because like even this one, it's. I, I get yeah. bored. Can I be honest? I get bored of it. Yeah. Especially I, being so long. Yeah, like, I tuned I get, out. Like, yeah, exactly. I, well, I think that's what the issue is. When I first heard it, I tuned out. But then I was like, no, man, like, there's got to be something in there. Because then, so I was trying to do some research on it. Like, I, I'm not kidding when I tell you I thought it was an instrumental. Yeah, no. I thought it was, I thought it was just an, a 10-minute long instrumental. I was like, why are they, te- like, the tease continues. Right. They're just going to, like, hey, I know I haven't released anything in 17 years. By the way, here's a 10-minute 10, 10 long instrumental track and I was it makes like, you wonder though do you think this song is actually on their album or do you think this is just a ploy I I think I think it's on their album I think I think this is like track one I think this is uh because if you listen to all the other Tool albums I feel like this song whether or not people agree with me or with it I feel like this song is like a combination of all the original Tool sound, songs and sounds because okay. They have these, it's not melodical throughout, but there are these little melodies and stuff in there that you catch. Mm-hmm. And then when it changes two or three times throughout the song, however, it's just, it just feels reminiscent of, of the sober or the, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like name oh, any tool hit. Yeah. You can. All the big, big, big name stuff. Right. And yeah. I feel like, Excuse I me. feel like Maynard as a, as an artist, as a performer, as a writer, he likes to push himself 
he doesn't like to be one-dimensional on any song. Right. If you listen to all their songs, he's pushing his vocals in different directions every time. Mm -hmm. You're never going to catch a Tool song where he sounds monotonous right. the entire time. Right. He's not going to do it. He's going to he's gonna sing softly. Then he's going to do some really weird influxes and all these crazy, like, and he right. just, he keeps you on your toes. I think that's what people like and dislike about Tool mm -hmm. is that they're totally unpredictable. They're, they're predictable in the sense that their sound is essentially the same. They'll stick inside relatively the same tunings, same types of songs, but not at all the same over and over and over again track. You're not going to get a cookie-cutter Tool song. It doesn't exist. No. There's no such thing. No. And I think that's what he prides himself on. And I, th I also think that's what's different than uh, A Perfect Circle. That's what's different from Possible. I just think they're... I think I just think it's totally different. Oh yeah, I no, think uh, all the sure. projects are different. I think he prides himself Agreed. on that, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, he has I think, a different persona for each one. Well, yeah, and I think that you know he does he does well, in the last however long because people started getting pissed when he stopped being the front man and started being the back man when he'd play behind uh -huh, the yeah. entire band, you know. And people were like, "What's the matter with you?" Yeah. And he's like, "Look, man, like I just don't want to do it." Like, you know, he's a character in his own right, and like people get offended by that stuff. Like, hey, we. We paid money to see you. And he's like, great. Like, there's other people in this band. You right. know, like, how about you focus on them? How about you give some credit where credit's due to them? Like, I'm the front man. Imagine, he's the front man of three different projects. Three right. different bands that are all successful in their own ways. Like, of course he's going to be different. I, I don't blame him at all for trying to hang back a little bit. Like, yeah, I'm the vocalist, but uh, this project is predominantly and heavily about instrumentals or right. about you know these guitar XYZ, riffs or whatever yeah. it's like he doesn't want to be that you know what i mean i feel like i feel like it's a drag on him because he has these different personas which he's with each project so right. when it comes to tool he actually is the front man i feel like he i mean he comes off truth be told he's an introvert he's been an introvert right he doesn't do interviews you know he did this stuff yeah, with joe rogan very, even then he was very yeah, <laughs> yeah, very, yeah. very maynard yeah. uh but I just feel like, as an individual, he takes it upon himself to make every project different. Although his voice is the same, he still finds a way to make every single one of them separated from each other. And I've always respected that about him. Right. Agreed. Agreed. I totally agree. I just... I don't know, man. I, I think getting caught up in that... You know, I mean, it's, it's so easy for fans. You've changed, bro. You've changed. It's like, man... This is, like, we have no idea what Tool is about. I feel like every single time any band releases an album, it's just another snippet into their life. Perfect. Like, they could literally take this any direction. You look at how many bands have changed their sound over the years and gotten so much flack for it, and then gone back to their original sound, and then gotten flack for that because they don't sound like their new stuff anymore. Right. And it's like, look, man, like, we're a band. We create things. It's not going to sound cookie-cutter identical to our first or second or third album. Like, right. we have to keep changing it up. Every band has to keep changing it up to stay relevant. No, and there's totally some that do it well, and then there's some that just totally fall off. And I feel like you got I feel like you got to blend it slowly, and that's what I feel like this Tool album is doing. I feel like... It'll be interesting when it comes out. Yeah, this, one, this, this one song. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, well... And maybe that's his goal too, you know. Maybe he's gonna ride off into the sunset after this one and be like, "Yeah, we just, we just released this as the hype album, as the as the send off. And we're gonna we're gonna dip out of here with all this money since all these people bought it. Right, right. <laughs> all these 
30 and 40 year old dudes that are buying these albums now because yeah exactly because yeah <laughs> so much time has passed maynard thank you <laughs> it's like, <hurry> up. <laughs> yeah no it'd be interesting to see that one but yeah i mean uh, the song's out there if you, uh, you want to hang yeah, out I definitely for, check for it out. 10 if, minutes and if you guys haven't heard it uh yeah definitely don't uh don't be sitting in one spot when you put it on. Um, <laughs> you want to be like doing something, but still intently listening to it. A lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. <laughs> no, we do not con. Heavy metal over six pack does not condone doing drugs. Please don't drink and drive. <laughs> Eat crab rangoons and drive. Oh yeah, well that's it. Or don't. Whatever, it's fine. Mm. Uh, last thing for our, for a news related situation. Um. This has kind of come up, sort of. Um, Brendan Urie of Panic at the Disco? Yeah, wait, wait, no. Panic at the Disco. Okay, there it is. Now, uh, Disco's around still? I don't think. Do they still have those, you think? Uh, disco is short for discotheque. I thought it was like a dis- No, it's fine. And uh, they, they are not around no, anymore okay. at all. Like the light-up floors that you step on and yeah. stuff. Remember how cool those were, like, back... Every, like, 70s and 80s show had, like, a light-up dance floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't exist I haven't anymore. seen one in my entire life. Well, I feel like people don't dance anymore. I think we, we as a couple generations removed from disco, just turned dancing into humping on, on yeah, the floor that, of music. That's, that's a thing, too, isn't <laughs> it? I forgot about that. Like, like nobody, you, like, dances anymore. No, like they just smack pelvises. <laughs> oh, he's a good dancer. How do you know? Well, he rubbed his genitals on me. Like, oh, okay, great. That's yeah. how you know he's a good dancer. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Brendan Urie shared a brutal, full-length heavy metal track in which he has written. Yeah, he uh, he dropped a couple of teasers before this track. I think that's what threw everybody for a loop. Um, they, uh, well, so, to be fair, well, people people are playing around with the idea, like, oh, is this how Panic! at the Disco is going to... Is this their new sound? Is this a new single? Is this... You know, and who knows? Maybe it is. I'm not going to say it is or isn't. It it would. It absolutely would be. Um, there's a couple reasons. Number one, I don't think it is. Uh, because first of all, uh, they have a very specific fan base. They do. That is not metal. Uh, also very true. <laughs> very true. And so, as we've talked about before, metal's kind of like the the redheaded stepchild. Uh, in the music industry, because nobody ever a really acknowledges it. Yeah, and I, man, there's so many. Like, think about how many good metal bands out there there are that just get totally slapped in the face every year when all these awards and accolades and everything else come out. Like, I feel like Panic at the Disco has a very, very specific group of people. They They've been all over the radio. They've been nominated for awards. They have hot pop songs and stuff like that, I feel like to make that shift would be a huge jump. Well, because they don't know how to use a goddamn door. (laughs) Well, I feel like it would either do one or two things, okay? So, hypothetically speaking, if they were to commit to this genre, it would either crash and burn horribly because you'd get all the fans from both genres who hate you. Pretty much. Or it would bridge the gap and get some some fanboys over into the metal scene and kind of add some spice to their flavor. But I, I'm not entirely sure. I can't. I really can't say either way whether or not this is going to be on a new album or this well, is a new direction the they're thing. going so, into. Um, this is a reading verbatim here. 
um, when he shared the middle uh, metal song clip on uh, Twitch, um, one fan brought up how the vocalist quote unquote mentioned um, he wouldn't be doing any work for the rest of the year. And then Yuri replied, dude, that's not work. This is literally me stoned and drunk in my room, sitting in this chair and just being like, oh, let's just grab a guitar real quick. I think he's just I think he's just having fun with it. I think it, I think he's just experimenting, but I think as an artist, you're never going to experiment with something and then release it to There it is. You're never you're never going to experiment with something and then release it and not care about the reaction of it, you know? I feel like he's testing the waters a little bit. I think he he like put his his whole big toe into the water right now. You know, like hey guys, by the way, this is something I've been working on. And then you hear his screams, and you're like, wait a minute. Since when is this guy a screamer, you right. know? And throughout the whole video, he's, like, pointing to his throat and throwing up devil horns and all this other stuff, like metal stuff. And it's like, come on, man. Like, are you going to are you gonna commit to this? Because if not, you're going to piss off both genres of people. You know, you're going to insult metal by doing it once and then walking away. And you're going to insult all your other fans by changing it up and, and then not sticking to it, you know? Like, I feel like it's... I feel like it's a very difficult line for him to walk to walk right now. Right. But the reason it wouldn't surprise me if he did go all out into this metal genre is because look at their history. He's the only original member from Panic at the Disco. Yeah. The only one. He's got the most pull with the label, mm-hmm. any label they sign to, with the fans. He's the front man. Well, here's the thing. He could take the skillet route. Because uh, Skillet, the lead singer John, last name I can't remember. Um, so obviously he has Skillet, but he also had Fight the Fury, which was his quote-unquote metal project. Yeah. Which he fronted, which I don't think we really talked too much about that when it came out. But it just kind of like sounded like every Skillet. Because <laughs> I, 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 lo- I love Skillet. I love his skillet, voice. And then Iron Skillet. But the thing is, is like <laughs> his voice is so unique yeah it's very distinct and then you kind of like which like obviously if you heard this obviously you wouldn't be able to tell it was, no you wouldn't be able to tell it was him but if he sang maybe not right. so much which is funny because this guy actually has a really good voice he's extremely right. talented well I mean you have to be to make it as far as he has and for as long as he has but I don't think he'd be te- again I think he's testing the waters I don't think he'd put this out there to not see what the reaction is yeah. you know I feel like I feel like metal's slowly coming up right now, you know? It's really cool to do metal covers of popular songs right now. Yes. And that's one of the biggest things that's bridging the gap to all these new fans. And I think it's cool, and I respect anybody who can survive the music industry to begin with. Oh, there he is. Yeah, (laughs) that was him. Um, But what I think is, uh, is just difficult is to... Like, it's one thing to pave the way for people like, hey, like, come check this out. It's totally different for you to, like, bring them over the bridge and then, like, hold their hand into whatever genre you're trying to bring them to. If he can't if he can't complete that cycle and, and not only get people from a certain fan base over into this and then get the support from it, I just, I can't see a solid foundation being built. I can't see them you know, coming up out of this and making this an official thing. No, I just, and I feel I like honestly, it's... I honestly it, think it's just fun. That's my, my personal opinion. Yeah. I think he would just throw it together. He'd just say, yeah, check this out. Look at what I did. Yeah. That's me, personally. 
I feel like he'd, he'd kind of have to, but I just I just feel like subtly it's not. I feel like he's putting it out there like, yeah, it is, but like, if, if 100 million people were like, wow, this is awesome, they would drop everything. He would drop everything and just go straight into this show, you know? Um, but I think, uh, I think he's super talented. I think even with this, like, it sounds... I mean, it's definitely a banger, you know. You could you could rock to it if somebody was playing at a show. You'd be in the pit. Um, totally unexpected from him, yes. which also builds hype. Um, I don't necessarily know if it's his strong suit or not, but only because we've only seen uh, a tiny little facet into what the entire dynamic of his singing is. So, right. No. Um, I'd, again, I'd, I'd be interested to see where it goes if it goes if it does go anywhere. Uh, if not, then I feel like he should probably not tease metal fans. Because <laughs> I guess um, <laughs> like, hey, I'm gonna release a metal song, but not really. It's not gonna be an album. I'm just he gonna... uh, he quoted that he wanted to do a metal project in particular, hmm. and he actually just played something for his bandmates recently. Uh, they have an old song called "The Calendar," and he made a metal version of it years back. Oh wow. It's like 90 seconds long and it's really fun. So who knows? I might even put that on SoundCloud. So, so there might be more heavier tracks in Panic. Who knows? Yeah. So, well, I think as performers, sometimes you just start to get bored. You know? And I mean, the same thing every day. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things I love about metal, though, is that for when it comes to metal music, it's really not because metal music. The reason metal music is is hated so much is because it's a dynamic of things. You'll get growls, you'll get pig squeals, you'll get screams, you'll get cleans, you'll get these nice, Clown awesome... Honks. Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> you'll get... It's a thing. you get these awesome melodic choruses with, like, super heavy punchlines, you know? The best music they've seen being sold ever in the history of music is depressing music. Yeah. Metal music is angry and depressing all the time. And it touches on all these different other genres, and it's like a melting pot. So I'm not saying that, you know, his music would never make it in the genre. It absolutely could. Everybody has potential to make it in this. And I kind of feel like that's the reason why so many don't take it seriously. Like, oh, it's simple. It's easy. Like, okay, get out there and you do that, you know. Go play for an angry metal crowd and see how your mosh pit goes. See if you don't get punched in the face after after a show, you know. And uh, I think it's a totally different dynamic of fans. Oh yeah. Uh, I feel Much like if, if you're gonna put out music like that, you're gonna have to perform it eventually. So mm-hmm. then you're gonna have to find bands to, to play with and certain venues to go to and whatever. More power to him for doing it. Yeah. I got all the respect yeah, in the exactly. world for him trying it out and testing the waters and going out there and putting himself out there. But Great. I don't know if it's something that they would permanently do. And if they did, I'd be shocked. I'd support them. You know, anything yeah. metal, I'll I'll give it a shot. Always, uh, always. But oh yeah. I. Uh, I just don't know, again, just because of the, the already existing fan base. I feel like in music, you can't do anything new without offending the people that were original fans, right. you know? Right. Like, some, peop- you. some people are going to get their feathers ruffled up a little bit. No, yeah. But eh, who knows? It would be interesting. I was I was pretty impressed with it, though. I, I couldn't, no, I think it came I, out Totally also. out of left field. I was like, oh, wow. For sure, for sure. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's do some main event action. Heavy metal over a six pack. Underrated albums. It's main event time. 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 
So now, Marcus, you don't have to actually put in like a sounder. We just did it for you. <laughs> so well, our little um, thoughts for this main event. So we all know that one hit song on the radio off of that one album, but nobody knows the rest of that album. Yeah. And nobody, it's kind of forgotten. Or there's also those bands that have those albums that you are usually passed or you don't even know they exist, but are usually pretty better than the other ones. There's too many bands, man. There's too many bands that people... It gets saturated. It, it gets lost oh, in a void. God, it's like Facebook. It's like that? the algorithm of Facebook. Um, so we, we figured we'd do... Uh, Mark had some, but uh, he was not able to join us today. He is in New York getting hit by a tornado or whatever weather they have down there. <laughs> the Yankees? What, I, don't, I don't know what it is. But uh, so we each picked two. Uh, so Dave picked two, I picked two. Uh, ones that we kind of found. We'll talk about a little bit. XYZ. Just so we can clarify, two albums. Albums that are totally underrated as albums. Yes. Not like by the song that's on it, but yeah, like the not, album not itself. Not the hit song, not the one hit song from it, but like the entire album. Like start to finish, you can listen to it on repeat. No issues, no skips, no fast forwards, no pauses. You, If you were on a you know, two-hour road trip, you could listen to this album twice. So I... There were two that always come off the top of my head. Unfortunately, we've talked. I've talked about one of these albums as one of my album reviews in general, and one we brought up uh, the uh, just written random talking. Um, so those would be my two honorable mentions, essentially. Um, the first album, Smash Mouth Head, Fish uh, Fushuming, Fushumen, the hell it is. Um, that album's great, and uh, Trey is becoming the Bull album, yep. which is very underrated. That was awesome, but uh, very very. Yeah, yeah, a ton. Yeah, a ton. Of that album was really that good. That was awesome. Uh, so for my first one, now I had some, I had some trouble with this. So originally I was gonna be that guy and go with a Nickelback album, Ooh. Silver Side Up, but nah. I'm gonna say it, man. There is nothing wrong with Nickelback. Yeah, with I'm you. one of those. I I'm one of you. those. Nothing wrong with it. I'll be you. one of those bros in the crowd with my fraternity brothers or something going crazy like. Why? I don't understand all the hate that Nickelback we gets. We need to do a Nickelback episode. I, I will, dude. So I figured I would save that for, yeah. for later. Yeah. Tune in next week and we'll lose <laughs> yeah, all our right. followers or something. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so for uh, my first one now, uh, Chevelle's a band I've listened to for quite a long time. Um, so in the kind of reason I wouldn't bring this up. So in 2016, the album The North Corridor came out. And no one had any idea it existed. It, it came out and then poof gone yeah. which is funny because 2014 uh La Gorgola came out which again i never knew this album came out but come to find out when we did a top like album or song charts or whatever yeah fucking take out the gunman number one <laughs> never heard that song in my life really yeah i listened to that song it's not that good it's yeah. it's very boring and there's not really the fact that it's number one I feel like it's really tough for bands to decide what their single is going to be, you know? Like, whoever invented... Like, the single never used to be a thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, that was... I yeah. feel like we are so spoiled. Singles are a lot easier now with the streaming services. Yeah, you can but... find the one single. Well, okay, it's easier to find the one single, but to pick your single out of your entire Ooh, album... Yes, that's a I feel story. like as listeners and as far as we've gotten in this music world, especially in this metal genre... Uh, to be able to pick one song out of your album and be like, yeah, this is the best song on our album. This is the absolute best one. 
There's no way to gauge that no, properly. God, no. You're dealing with producers. You're dealing with all the the label themselves, like mm-hmm. pressures of all this other stuff. To find the actual single that's like, wow, like this is like, this actually gets me. Go- it's tough, man. It's a lottery. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, it is, there's, it is. there's no way much. to even tell. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if if bands would like reach out and do like a, I don't know, like even if they did like, okay, like if you, if you take a single, but like okay, four of our songs we're gonna do music videos for. Like, what we think are the four best songs. Like, your odds of having, like, the hit song are way better. You'd be able to kind of grab it out of the the bag. But not, like, when people are like, oh, yeah, this is just our one song from our entire 13-track album. Like, okay, what do you think your odds are in that? Like, do the math. What do you think they're like? Okay, yeah, you guys think you guys think this is your favorite song. Is it because it's easier to play and it sounds different from all your other ones? Like, that's not what's going to fly with everybody else. Right. Uh, So, the reason I picked the North Corridor is, honestly, I think this is may or may not give or take uh, one of their heaviest albums um because they really use the fact that they have three people like they play in b tuning their bass has to be like yeah. very out there to really fill everything out yeah um the song shot from a cannon which is their last song in the album i think is the one we're actually listening to at the moment is easily like one of the heaviest i've heard in a while but like the guitar riffs in this entire album and this is so catchy and it's so like raw you know what I mean? Like the, the the growls, the screams are everywhere. Um, even like the, one of the songs, Warhol Showbiz, talks about Andy Warhol. So it's pretty cool that they have a little right. bit of that in there. Little history lesson. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's what's in there. Uh-huh. Um, no, but this album's really, really good. Like if you're if you're a big Chevelle fan, you like the oldest stuff where they got a lot of scream and it's a little heavier, a little bit darker. North Corridor is your your choice, and it unfortunately just kind of disappeared. I think it's so tough. I think, uh, you know, between, so like the producer's job, aside from producing it, you know, then we have people that have to actually put the stuff out there. And then you're competing with all these other bands that are also putting out music. So then your timing, the the window in when you can release it the most successfully becomes a little more stringent. And then weird. all the other bands, because your fans are not just your fans, they're everybody's fans, you know what I mean? And then you've got everybody's daily lives now. Mm-hmm. We are so much busier now as people than we ever have been before. The cost of living is higher, all these other difficulties that show up. And I just feel like it's getting harder and harder for bands to get noticed. Even if they're notorious already for putting out good music, if they don't have the right person handling their next project... It's not going to go anywhere. It's going to flop. Yeah, and unfortunately, true. we see that in a lot of different, a lot of different genres. Have the right a lot of different too. bands. Yeah. It is such a man. It's like a you wave a magic wand at this stuff. Like some of these albums that take off and skyrocket, it's literally luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if even if you're not even writing your own music, if it's other people writing your music, it's still luck of the draw because you never know who's actually going to listen to it. Right. You know, no, that's what it all starts with. Agreed. You can't just listen to it. You got to listen to it. Then you got to share it. You got to buy it. You yeah. got to support it. You right. got to go like there's gotta, so many other different layers to the music world. So I feel like it's so easy for these albums to just kind of slide under the radar. It's true. I don't think it's fair, but I definitely acknowledge that it's a multifaceted issue. There are so many different things that go into just making an album. Agreed. It's not just the music. It's not just the skill behind it. It's, it, a, become a, it's a business. It's well. It's, it's all right. You're yeah, it's a it's a business. Yeah, it's a business that's coupled with a whole bunch of other different things, personalities and stuff. There's some people that won't even listen to bands because they don't like how the person looks. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? If you look like you rolled out from under a bridge 
every morning or something, and you go play a show and you're not getting fans, well, maybe that's a reason. You know, maybe you should, like, dress yourself up and start taking care of yourself. Right. Like, you'd be surprised how many people will immediately shut their brain off, like, oh, no, he looks like crap. No, no, she doesn't even look attractive. Nope, not doing it. Like, bro, this person can sing. Like, they right. can sing their lungs out, and they're doing it right here live mm -hmm. in front of you, and you don't even care. Yeah, it's weird. And how many people just just totally fall off because of stuff like that. It's true. It's crazy. Little, little the music things. world is insane not, with that not stuff. not as two-dimensional as it used to be. But that's why it's so difficult for me to, like, make something on this list, you know, to make... For me to come up with two albums from this list, and I had to think... I had to think long and hard about mm -hmm. me a bit. what I was going to pick and, and who I was going to go with. And I went through all different kind of... I mean, really the same genre, but all different flavors of this genre, you know? I went through the... Well, truth be told... There is nothing, and I literally mean nothing, that can compare to the first two albums from Linkin Park. I could listen to those two albums over and over and over again on repeat for the rest of my life. There's no other band I've been able to find that can do two follow-up, two albums and a follow-up, like one album and a follow-up album to that, that sound like extremely like on the same sure. path. I, I haven't been able to find that. Because usually so, what I've learned is you kind of like have your first album and you're kind of like this is kind of what we're doing and then when you get to like that sophomore album you're like alright right I get it like okay so this is what we want well I think the sophomore this the sophomore year for anybody whether you're a professional athlete or you're a uh, crowbar um, smuggler <laughs> anything it's on my resume <laughs> no job if you're any of those things but especially if you're a musical group or a band a sophomore album, a sophomore follow-up is always going to have more pressure. Oh, yeah. Because you've set it, the tone you, for yourself. Yeah, you have a bar. Yeah. You know? I feel like Linkin Park knocked that out of the park. Mm -hmm. Like, Meteora, the follow-up to Hybrid Theory, that was like, wow. I agree. Like, that was awesome. I've talked about it before. Probably sounds like beating a dead horse. That's fine. I don't care. They're the, the greatest band that I've ever listened to. They're my all-time favorite band. First and second album, just because it was... So you're going to do a mix together? Certain time in my life. No, I mean, I'm not going to. I had to not pick them for this uh, particular gotcha. genre because I knew that nothing so far has compared for me. Okay. That's fair. So I'm going to start with my, my number two, okay, because my number one I could probably talk about forever. Uh, the and, bathroom's upstairs if you need to go number two. Uh, <laughs> I probably sound like a broken record a little bit with how I'm going to go with this, but that's fine. So on the, on the topic of Breaking Benjamin, like we were earlier, they're my number two, and the album that I think is the most underrated from them is We Are Not Alone, the We oh, Are okay. Not Alone album. Um, they had a number of different hits on that album, and I think they got overshadowed by Phobia, okay? So Phobia comes out, they have yeah, you know, Evil Angel, they have Breath, they have Diary of Jane, yeah, they Jane. have all these huge ripper songs that, that everybody loves, Unknown that. Soldier... All that stuff on Phobia, right? And everybody just overlooked We Are Not Alone. <laughs> I feel like it came out in 2004, and they did it, but that was at the time where there were so many other bands coming out with music at that time. That's when new metal was coming up, and all these other metal... Like, there were so many different metal projects just popping up out of nowhere like daisies. It was so hard to keep track of. Do you know where I learned about Breaking Benjamin? Where's that? So this song, Firefly, came out. It was actually, I was playing uh, SmackDown vs. Yes, Raw. Yes, I was going to say that, SmackDown vs. Raw. This is one of the songs and that was Tori in, like, Wilson the... And Tori Wilson dancing, yeah, they all that at the main menu and everything. Yeah. They had so all this, that. this was the, uh, this yeah. was actually where I found them. Yeah, so 
This is the album that they had Firefly, they had So Cold, and So Cold is in its own. That was I mean, that, that was another that one was that was their, standalone. Like, yeah, that was their big, big uh, one. But the other one that they had was Sooner, Sooner or, later. or Later. Sooner yeah. or Later is a good one. And Sooner, so you have three major hits. Okay, three big hits. That can tell you alone, like this album, this album rips. Go through and listen to this album all the way through. It is start to finish. There's a little bit of an iffy track on there, I'm not going to lie. When when you put rain on, <laughs> when you put a song like rain on a heavy album, it kind of goes over differently. The I'm not going to. The alternate single version or the regular one? Yeah, both. <laughs> I, oh lord! You, you always gotta have a, a I'm not, slow though. Yeah, I'm not gonna knock it, but not nobody was expecting that. Nobody, I think, and uh, obviously they moved away from that stuff when they came out with Phobia, and yeah. I think that's why it went bigger. I'm not trying again, never trying to throw shade, nope. but I feel like that that rain song kind of drew them back a little bit. It it actually got. Because it was so different, it got a lot of uh, eyes on it, got a lot of listens, got a lot of downloads, yep. did pretty well. The album itself did pretty well, but it didn't do as well as Phobia. So I feel like the people that have never heard these bands before, that look up these bands like, hey, what's their greatest album? Obviously, that's going to be Phobia. They had a couple that they just released recently. Uh, what's the? I can't remember the name of it. They just released it couple years ago that one actually did just as well as phobia with downloads and everything the, but you oh, that's the best but sorry. you also have to understand that everything's Agony, morphed right? it's morphed since 12 years ago since 15 years ago how people download their, download their music how people get their music right. these streaming services have made everything so much easier and way back in the day it wasn't that easy in 2004 when we are not alone came out it was not a simple click away for everybody right. it wasn't on your your youtube ads it wasn't in your Spotify recommended. It was, you're going to take a shot, and you're going to pay to put your stuff on Zoom iTunes. Zoom upload. Yeah. You're going to go through your Zoom or something, and this is like back when Mediafire was a thing. Like all these old websites that crashed and Sorry burned, and all these people that, that mm. pushed their product into it, like you never knew. It was such a gamble. Yeah, now sure. we've gotten so spoiled with how centralized and how easy everything is, because as long as you upload to the main platforms and you sound semi-decent... You're going to get out there. Mm -hmm. But this album specifically, Sooner or Later, So Cold, uh, like all Firefly. of them, man. Yeah. Well, Firefly especially. I feel like... That was one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. That's one of my favorite songs like all time. I know it didn't make my top 10, but that's because it's... I feel like Breaking Benjamin is kind of in its own right, like uh, their own particular sound. It's never been my thing, but it's always been good music. It's never been like the thing that moves me, but it's always like, yeah, I could jam to this. Yeah. I've seen them live. They rip live. They're very good they, live. they can do amazing things live. Like, I am not knocking them at all. If you ever get the chance to see Breaking Benjamin live, do it. Yeah, I know. It is great. worth it. For awesome. the longest time, I'm pretty sure the the first tour I saw them on was the one with uh, Three Days Grace, Caesar, and Hurt. Okay. And they're still to this day touring with C with uh, Three Days Grace. Yeah. They're still doing that. Granted, Three I know. Three Days Grace. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Adam Gontier is gone. You can tell who wrote all the lyrics before he left, but. I don't throw shade, but... No, again, <laughs> it's not about shade. It's just about recognizing the differences of my, our music. My shadow catapult is not armed. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... I mean, you, you have to acknowledge that it changes, you know? It does. And this is kind of segueing into my next band, so I'm not going to keep going with this topic. I'm going to let you take the reins back, and then I'm going to follow up on this conversation. All right, well, I'm going to actually jump in that same sort of error. Ooh. Error. 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 <laughs> Eroar. Era. In uh, 2000, I believe there was two songs that were really on the radio 
uh, AF when that new metal jump. Oh yeah. We had, uh, I believe, Down with the Sickness and Stupefy. This is this is back when AAF actually played things that yeah. were hot and heavy. Yeah. New stuff that came out. It wasn't the same old three tracks over and over and over again with the Hillman talking for 40 minutes in between. Yep. Nothing against you, Hillman. You've been doing a great show for a long time, but the, the playlist needed to change. Need some additives in there. But, uh, so... This, uh, this actually... Funny story about this album, and I'm gonna segue from this, technically. So, when I, when I got this album, 2003? 2002, maybe it's when I... When I first picked it up, um, the album is really creepy looking. <laughs> so I, I ended up going to Europe um, for like two weeks, and our flight was delayed by six hours. <laughs> now back then, we had a CD player that played, one, your, that played your, one CD. Your disc man and your headphones. After, after and my your Game Boy was batteries. dead. After my Game Boy was dead, and I was way out of batteries. Yes. I had this album, and that is it. That's the only album I had. <laughs> I didn't expect the six-hour delay. It probably made a little bit too much of an imprint <laughs> on you, bro. I don't know. Uh. Um, no, I mean, so, but this album, I mean, you have the song Voices is really good. That's, uh, I know what it's not a big one, but it's it's well enough known from it. Um, you got, obviously, the cover of A Shout. Yeah. Which... <laughs> So it's funny because this album was it's kind of like that like rappy-ish for a lot of the stuff. I mean, you got dropping plates, which yeah. is the silliest, funniest song I've ever heard in my yeah. life. <laughs> like he like thinks he's limp, you know Fred Durst in this one. It's pretty funny, but uh, honestly, this album is is very superb. Um, uh, the game is my favorite one. It's always been one of my favorite, if not my top favorite, Disturbed song of all time. Yeah. Um, Fear is really good. Numb is awesome. Conflict's really good. Want is really good. Uh, violence fetish is... Eh, it's fine. But, I mean, honestly, this album, I have and will and still can listen to this album through 100%. All the way in, yeah. And yeah, one of the things I have to thank, so specifically I have to thank this album for... Uh, there's a YouTuber, and he kind of fell off recently, but for, like, a long time he was putting out content. And he'd do, like, parody videos of all, like, popular bands. The The YouTube channel is called, it's called Non-Random Nonsense. It's, like, all one is that word. A double negative? So yeah, it's, so pretty it's much. random nonsense. But he, no, it's like, random sense. He, he straight up said, like, look, guys, I'm a metalhead, and uh, I love, I love Linkin Park, I love Godsmack, I love all the... Everybody I do a project about, I actually love. But he just took a different spin on things and like made like these parody videos of all these things. Like, has millions of views all over YouTube. I have to thank him because I have to thank this album for him because they did like a a disturbed greatest hits songs you never knew you didn't want to hear or something. That's what he put on it for the parody, right. and it was hilarious. And then like, if you can actually appreciate Godsmack and stuff, then you can go back and uh, you can you can actually listen to like like wow, like I actually see where he's coming from. This is actually pretty funny. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he did with his life after being an online comedian. Probably doing no nonsense somewhere else. Yeah, but I, I thought that was that was pretty funny. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Godsmack's always been putting out. They have at least one hit per album. We can say that. Yes. And to that even do that is a feat in its own right. In in any kind of music genre, again, but especially in metal. Uh, and they've always been like at that top, that respected. If they're on the ticket, you know, people are going to show up. Yeah. 
You know people are going to come. As much as I'm not the biggest fan of Sally Arner, but I, yeah. won't, I won't talk about that. Even though we've talked about it before. Anyway. So, uh, man. So my my num- So here's the thing: when you reached when when we reached the idea that we were gonna pick underrated albums, right? I had to look at the albums like actual discs albums. When I think album, I think like discs I've held in my hand that I had to actually put in my CD player back in the day, kids, and and Weird. actually listen to. And one of the first albums that I ever bought with my own money. Aside from all the Linkin Park albums <laughs> and the P.O.D. Good catch, albums, good catch. it was Kill Switch Engages End of Heartache, but it was a special edition with the live performances on it. Okay. That album. And the alternate version of End of Heartache. Yes. Which is weird because there's no screaming in it. Right. So, and I'm in unpopular opinion, you call it what it is. That version is better than the original version. Also... My Last Serenade is on there live with Howard. With Howard. Howard I love that does song a too. way better version than Jesse does on that song. I'm sorry. I know Jesse wrote it. I know. Uh, I get it. I'm not throwing shade here. But when you get to the screams and the cleans and just the the overall performance of it, like you can feel it. It moves you differently. Listen to them side by side. Listen to those two songs side by side with Jesse and Howard. You can't tell well, me. He, he's the thing with Howard is he has that range. Right. And like we've talked about people, you know, sing words faster than others. He is a long, long, long range, range and he has resonance. He, does. he resonates when he sings. Like that's something I've always been blown away by him with. Is that like he can't just do these screams, but he'll he'll throw a note out there and then he'll carry it. Yeah. Forever. Like, to the point where you think his lungs are going to explode, like his face is purple, and then he'll just do, like, a quick little, (gasps) and then hit the screams, like, immediately after. Like, uh, I I think Howard is one of the the greatest vocalists ever in the genre of metal, strictly because he can do those screams, and I was so... Very nice man, by the way. Yeah, I was so... I was was pretty devastated when he stepped away from from Killswitch. I was like, man, like, I I don't know if it's going to be the same. All respect to Jesse. He's done a great job. They He's put carried out, what, them. Two? Two yeah, they've them? had two albums. It was uh, 2013, and 2016, I think. As Daylight Dies. And no, no. So, Howard. Yeah, Howard yes, did the two. Just the two. Howard Daylight did the dies. End of Heartache and As Daylight Dies. Okay, now, yes. As Daylight Dies had some great songs on it. They had The Arms of Sorrow. My Curse. They had My Curse, which is my all time favorite song this, by this them. This is Absolution. Right, but they also had, uh, I believe, well, I don't know if Holy Diver made it onto that. It's on the special edition. Yeah, it's the special edition. That's what it was. Um,. Uh, as like I've said it before, my all-time favorite song ever is "Kill Switch Engage My Curse." That song is just it's it's in its own right. They got for two me. versions of that too. Yeah, but when it comes to this album, I remember putting this album into my CD player and actually carrying like when I when I switched cars when I had to bring my truck to the junkyard and like get everything out of it. The last thing I was like, "Oh, my Kill Switch album still in the CD player." I had to get that out of there. I was like, why did I do that, man? Like, why did I go back to the junkyard after I got rid of my truck to get my CD back? This album's literally that good. When I sold my... All the way through. When I sold my truck, uh, I didn't realize it until much later, and it was too late, but I left my Prodigy album in there. Damn. Fat of the land. I was very upset. I would be, too. <laughs> well, like, what they had, uh, you know, they had Rosa Sharon and stuff, and all these other songs on this album, man. It was just so... Start to finish. And it's like... Obviously, it's the same genre, but they're all different. It's not... You can tell 
that the band's not going through this cookie cutter stuff. They're not like, okay, we're gonna put a little scream here, a little clean here, a little breakdown, a little. Everything is different, and well, it flows is, well. So this is the first album with Howard. Right. So there, you always have that creative fire. Yeah. And they have these new people that get to right. stuff and these different ideas flowing. Like any first album is when yeah. these kind of like creative juices is not really like our, you know, what are we gonna do? We can do this. We can do this. We can do this. We're not following like a like a, a ruler or a set of you know. Yeah. Well, I, I just thought it was thoughts. awesome because like even even in Rosa Sharon, man, you hear this song and it's like all these different vocals throughout, all of them. Like he changes it up. He just continually just keeps on changing it, mm-hmm. you know. And just from start to finish, this album, man, it's just I I can't compare it to to anything else. And the fact that it didn't sell as much as As Daylight Dies is what is what gets me. I understand they did the Resident Evil thing, and that's why the right. special the special End of Heartache song and whatever. I still say that that version of End of Heartache is ten times better than the way they wrote it. Yeah. I'm super glad for that 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 they went through and and had that contract with that movie series. Uh, but this album overall, start to finish, I could listen to over and over and over again. And the fact that it never reached the same right. status as all their al- other albums is what to me dictates that it's absolutely 1000% underrated. And it's funny because Ender Heartache is one of those ones that didn't really take flight until right. the Daylight Days come, you know what I mean? Like, right. And they're like, oh, there's other songs by this band? And then you're like, I know that one. Right. And then that's where <clears throat> it picks up sometimes. But that, that special deluxe edition, I remember getting the, the, two D, the two CD disc set, you know, and having it in my vehicle at all times. It's just, it was awesome, man. All the way through. It's always fun to, when you have a um, like a song example my last serenade with Jesse but then you you hear it with another person it's right. kind of interesting to see the difference right like um, when all the remains got Shannon for uh, fall of ideals with yep. that album which yeah that was like when it took off when the drummer was really good yeah uh, the albums before were kind of meh you know the drummer was kind of basic so when there was a live album they put out where they had Shannon and they played some of like you know all, all the old stuff, stuff. Yeah. so it was funny how much more he put into the song right. and how it changed him you know yeah. what I mean? so it's kind of neat sometimes yeah I sometimes think for the worst sometimes for, you know it's well I think in this regard there's so many bands that have have changed over time you know um, there's there's a lot of things that I mean bands in general are going to change a little bit they're going to morph uh, the fact that there's bands that original members stay together, that's <clears throat> on its own. That's that's a feat in and of itself. But then when you bring new people in, it's always so cool to see their personality come out in the music, even in the old songs, you know? And the only way you're going to get that is in the live version, you know? If they had, st- they're never going to remake studio versions with, with the new person, you Obviously. know? And I feel like that's kind of like the, the hidden gem. And all of the transitions is like, okay, when we go see these people live, how are they going to play at this? Like, yeah. we know how it's supposed to sound, right. but what are they going to do to, like, get us off our feet and, and right, actually make exactly. a difference? Yeah, and no, I feel it's like just... it's a lot of pressure on the new members because mm-hmm. you got all these old fans plus whatever new fans you might be bringing along. Uh, mm-hmm. That's something you don't want to drop the ball on. And for this album, Howard killed it. Oh, yeah, agreed. All around killed it. And then you hear the live stuff. I mean... Adam's always saying like the most random stuff at all their live shows. I don't know if you've ever seen any of their live stuff. He's a, he's a wackadoo. He, he really is. Yeah, but we, we man, that, uh, he, he's a character. That's what, dude, he's doing his own he's thing. He's a phenomenal like, guitar player, too. He's 
tall as crap. Like he's, Howard's he's pretty short. I know. Too. But Howard's pretty short compared to him. He so is. like you see like all their music videos, they do like those angled shots from the front of the band, like like they're like under Howard's knees looking up, so you can't tell that he's shorter than Adam. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. all these other things, but like you see all the live shows, uh I think it was Warp Tour. Warp Tour when they did My Curse live with Howard and, and Adam. And he's like he's like clapping and he's like I clap your hands! I promise I won't tell your mom. <laughs> like, yes. he just says he is, he is, he is random a weird stuff. It's so funny though. Like yeah. he's a character, you know. He brings it. He, yes. he, he he's got the showmanship behind it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, I still think it's funny that he used to play drums for them. Yeah, that's the funniest thing. That's to me. nuts. Well, I just, I mean, you know, he's a character when he comes out in like a a plastic Viking hat and Daisy Dukes cut shorts, jean shorts with the pockets hanging lower than the jeans. Yep. And then he comes out and he just rips on guitar. It's like, okay, like, you've earned our respect because you can kill it. But, like, bro, like, <laughs> talk to a fashion consultant yeah, right. or something. Like, <laughs> but he doesn't care. Anything. Like, But I love that about him. No, you know what I mean? He's that's, not, that's he's the, not the typical part. metalhead. You know, he's a nerd. That's what so that's, many that's musicians what, that's are. That's what they're all, are, the nerds. Right. They're all just nerds. Like, can we just be nerds and make music? Do we have to be this, like, deathcore all the time, right. wearing scary masks, bleeding from everywhere? Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. no, man, like. He's a straight-up nerd that can kill the guitar and shred it, mm-hmm. and he just dresses and does whatever the heck he wants. Very and much. in between the live shows, there's never a dull moment no, at a kill switch No, he's always a guitar goofball. Man. But it keeps you entertained. Yeah, absolutely. He's just an excellent all-around musician, man. That uh-huh. whole band, they're just all super well ridiculously talented. talented. I'm pretty sure they've all had the same guys except their lead singer. Yeah. For the well, most part. I mean, once he jumped over to guitar. My, uh, my, favorite, other, my favorite video is the... Uh, uh, who's the other guy in their band? The other guitarist? He the walks out in the middle of the show on his uh, his wireless setup, and he goes out to the bar of the show and gets a beer and a whiskey, that and he's sense. doing his he's doing his playing his guitar and everything, and then doing a shot and chugging a beer, and then he goes right back out on stage. But he's like out there like waiting in line while he's playing guitar at the show. Like, right. yeah, I just wandered off stage. They know this is totally normal. <laughs> he's like he's one of the guys, but he's out there uh, playing. Joel. Yeah, he's he's just going nuts, man. And he's right there. He's like, hang on, hang on. Let me get a... Wait, wait, wait. And he starts going nuts on the song. And then, right. Okay, yeah, let me get that beer. Let me get a whiskey. And he just pounds it quick and then runs back. He's like, that's awesome. Pretty much. That's perfect. Oh, I'm sorry. Howard was also in... Uh, the Devil uh, You Know? Or what? Well, that too. But he was also in their self-titled album. Oh, was he? Yep, Kill Switch Engaged. Uh, the Sermon to the Scent, uh, 2013, is when Jesse jumped back in. Gotcha. Fun fact. They're both, they're both very, very talented. Uh, strictly because of where I was when I first heard their music and Howard was the first one, I'm always going to be spoiled. I'm always going to say that Howard's my, my go-to kill switch singer, but that, those are some pretty big shoes to fill. Agreed. All those songs, you think between those two albums of uh, End of Heartache and As Daylight Dies, there's maybe like eight or nine songs that are just like all around bangers, like... To fill those shoes, even in three or four albums after the fact, would be a tough feat. Like, right. And then hearing them live, like you're always waiting for that, like Howard clean, and it never comes. That's just that part of your heart's just never gonna come back, man. No, it's true. Very true. And speaking of hearts, the one thing that our heart definitely, definitely needs is more beer. Yes. <laughs> Commence. So for our beer ventures, beer, beer, 
Hmm. Brew Ventures? Yeah, that's why I don't remember. Brew Ventures? I don't know. I'm, just, I'm <laughs> trying to make up words. That's why they w- didn't hire me for the our, dictionary company. Our beer views? <laughs> yes. Beer views? <laughs> beer view mirror? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So in our beer view mirror tonight. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> there it um, is. I may have talked about this. I may not have. Um, but I don't like what choose it blueberry. <gasps> I don't. How dare you? I am that guy. That is a New England staple. That's fine. You bastard. I do what I want. You do. Sometimes. Until my girlfriend knows me. Anyway. <laughs> um, so I went with the Sea Dog Brewing Company. Ooh. They make what is called the Blue Paw, which is to this day and still until, you know, I probably find another one, is my favorite blueberry beer. Oh, of all time. you have another favorite outside of New England? Ballast, um, Ballast to Point, I believe, is the other one. Yeah. They do they do Ballast a blueberry Point. one, which is which is pretty decent as well. Um, But, you know, best served cold near the ocean with a dog and flip-flops with good friends anytime. <laughs> I like that. That's good. 4.7% alcohol, 8 IBUs. I mean, what computer technology has to do with it is completely out of my <laughs> thing. Um... <laughs> It is brewed fresh from fresh. obviously Sea Dog Brewing Company. Um, being um, probably being one of my favorite blueberry beers, I'm gonna have to. I'll give it a. I'll give it a five. Five out of six. Five out of six. Five out of six. I think for your for this favorite guy. blueberry. What would you give a Wachusett blueberry? Just out of curiosity. A three. A three. Three. Wow. Right in the middle. How three dare you? Wachusett is man. Okay, what I are, like Wachusett. I have nothing against Wachusett. Everybody's I like got a lot their of different own taste buds. I just I don't like. I think because it tastes like the blueberries are like way too old. I don't know. Like All right, fuzzy blueberries. I don't know. So if you don't, okay. Now that we're on the topic of blueberry beers, uh, not throwing shade on anyone or anything. Uh-huh. Incredible. Have you ever tried Wild Blue? It's a beer, and it's strictly blueberry. And I, when I say strictly blueberry, it's like they just like jam pack it. It must be full of like, like artificially sweetened blueberry syrup. <laughs> like they just pour it in there and add some yeast and some they hops. Just take and blueberries some and oh. run it in a fucking. I, <laughs> I've never had a more colorful shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was rough. Uh, honey, was that's like, a problem. I'm never that drinking stuff? that yes. again, ever. That was brutal, man. It was like. It was like Mike's Hard Lemonade Sweet, oh, but blueberry beer. Oh, brutal. So too then much. when I went back to Wachusett Blueberry, I was like, wow, a hint of blueberry yeah, in a beer. Right. What a concept. Weird. And it still, still looks to, like a beer. I still won't do blueberry <laughs> coffee. That's me, though. Oh, yeah. blueberry coffee. Uh, What's the matter with you? Evidently nothing because I don't drink it. That's like, uh, man, no. Fruit that's like coffee freaks me out. That's like coconut water. Everyone's like, oh, you got to drink this. It hydrates you. It's coconut water. It's like, yeah, it tastes like butthole. <laughs> I'm not drinking it. It it's heavier than water and sweeter, and it has a really weird. I'm not doing it. I'm not the doing it. Hairs this. get stuck in your teeth. Oh lord, it was Are so we bad. About the same thing. Yeah, sure, maybe. All right, I don't know. Buttholes. Right, anyway, good continue. <laughs> so today, kids, I have been uh, sipping on what we would like to call land shark, and it's there. I think that's what they call it too. I don't think it's just us. I think okay. it's actually on the, I well, I just, just want to make sure that you know I was pronouncing it correctly. It gets a little scary when you. Move the L's and the uh, S's and such. Well, there's uh, no I before E, so you're good. This is their premium island-style lager. Uh, it kind of looks like—I mean, it looks like a Corona, but 
I believe uh, Marcus actually brought this up for one. Ooh, one way better than a Corona. Sorry, Corona, you get the uh, the bottom of the totem pole See, when we, it comes we both to pushed Land out, Shark. Pushed out their uh, other beers. I uh, <laughs> yeah, I just it's it's pretty refreshing though. Like, you know, if you're into lagers and uh, especially lagers. island style, I'm super into island style beers. I don't know what it is about different islands around the world, but they always brew differently, and it's like there's like a little bit of lineage in there, man. So. I'm not sure why they call it an island style lager, especially because they uh, they brew it in St. Louis. So there's weird. <laughs> I don't know there's, how many islands no, there are in St. Louis, but uh, evidently one for that one. Apparently, brewery. but then again, I don't know how many land sharks there are out there either. So there's about eleven uh, movies. Shark <laughs> yeah. week's coming up. So, but uh, total rating, I'd I'd give it a five out of six. Man, that is a beer that I would grab and would, I would. It's it's nice. It's nice because it's been hot as balls out. For yeah. The past, well, like ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, definitely a good summer beer. You know is. what I mean? And like, even like, I mean, I, I won't. I wouldn't even put it inside some some seasonal boundaries. I I'd drink that anytime. If I had to grab something cold and just drink something smooth, I'd yeah. go with a Land Shark Island. As water. Marcus would say, it is crushable. It's crushable. We'd crush that, except it's a bottle, so I got to go to the ER now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we don't think we have one of those. So I got at least cat, it's I on got, my face this time. I got cat litter. <laughs> I'm just kind of mashing there. Oh look, it'll be alright. <sighs> Otherwise, that's it. Anything else for the for our listening audience? I think uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. You know, uh, always enjoy your beer responsibly and uh, keep rocking out and living all things metal. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah, and uh, Marcus should be back next week, and I believe Jay will be with us next week. So Ooh. we might have a full platoon. We have the four horsemen of the heavy metal over six pack. Yeah, it'll be a fortet. Ooh, <laughs> that sounds like it hurts. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys. You know where to reach us. I'm not going to recite everything because by now, I figured we all get it. But thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. And also thank you for hmm, listening. (laughs) Goodbye. That is the end of this episode. Another fun-filled day in the world of heavy metal over a six-pack. This is Anthony, Marcus, and Jay signing off. See you next time.